0: listening to the 30 podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. Welcome to a new episode. Lakers sitting at 11-2, the best record in the NBA. Of course, the Celtics ended up losing to the Kings. So if you look at the top of the NBA standings, you will see your Los Angeles Lakers sitting there. This podcast, of course, a part of the Silver Screen and Roll podcast network. Don't forget to like, subscribe, do whatever it is got to do to our podcast. We are on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. We are there. And, of course, go to silverscreenandroll.com. we got you covered for everything Lakers. Stats, news, opinions, analysis, even funny memes on our Twitter account, at Lakers SBN. So make sure you check us out. Joining us today, a man I've been following on Twitter for a little while. He's at Unwritten Rules But With The Three. Raj Chapalu, sorry. Raj, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great, man. Uh, Thanks for having me on here.
0: So if you don't know by now, the Lakers ended up winning 122-101 over the Hawks. The game... Never really in doubt, Lakers were up 69-41 to at the half. The Hawks, of course, coming off a back-to-back where they got whooped by the Clippers. That's what spending a weekend in L.A. will do to you, especially with the nightlife here. Atlanta did make a little bit of a run in the third quarter. The Lakers squashed that pretty quick to go on to that 21-point win. Uh, LeBron James, again, great, man. 33 points, 12 dimes, 7 rebounds, finished 13-21 to shooting. How good has the King been so far this season?
1: Yeah, he's been great, man, and he's hitting his threes as well. Um, Obviously... The passing has been just insane. He's hitting guys right on the spot, um, right onto shooters. I think he's still leading the league in assists um, per game and obviously scoring, even with AD kind of having a couple of bad games offensively the last few games. It looks like he's a little bit hurt there. But yeah, he's been just carrying the team to just a bunch of wins.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've looked, they've looked downright nasty so far with him kind of running the yeah. point guard. And I like that look. Uh, when they decided that they were going to move LeBron to the de facto one, basically, because you're—he's the guy who facilitates everything. You don't have to have a point guard out there next to LeBron James. Could it work with one? Absolutely. We've seen it work with him in, in Cleveland and, and, and Kyrie Irving. But with the team, the way the Lakers are constructed, I, I don't think they, they needed to have somebody like, oh, who's going to play the one with LeBron? I think he's doing amazing. He is leading the league in assists. He's at 11.1 a game. That's two assists better, two full assists better than Luka Doncic, who's at 9.1. Um, why do you think he's been, it, how much of that motivation do you think he took from the offseason, the fact that people were, were ragging on him and saying he might be done? And we've seen him use the hashtag washed king. So obviously he took things personally. Why, why do you think he's been so, so much better this year than last
1: yeah I think it's a bunch of factors I mean he watched the playoffs just like we all did and he watches the same sports shows obviously he even posts them on his Instagram and everyone calling Kawhi the best player in the league now or even KD when he was healthy and he's obviously come back with a vengeance I think um last year he was kind of hurt after the groin injury I mean he was actually pretty good up until Christmas and the Lakers had a winning record up in that up until up until that time and then uh now this year he's been just Absolutely insane! Right back to his pretty much his MVP seasons and just uh, destroying teams every night. And he's obviously doesn't look like he wants to rest at all. Um, he's playing pretty big minutes. I think he's in like the top ten or fifteen in minutes at around thirty-five a game. But he knows how to load. He knows how to manage in between games, and he's probably the best at it ever in terms of like knowing how to manage his body going into the playoffs. and And he has his team absolutely rolling.
0: Well, let's let's talk about one thing though that he. Was accused of last year was it was taking too many plays off defensively. I haven't seen that from him this year. I don't know if that's with his his hired expectations for himself. I don't know if that's with the higher expectations of the team. I don't know if that's because Anthony Davis came in and said, hey, your ass is going to have to start playing some defense. But uh, tonight, Lakers had 14 blocks. They were swatting everything. Uh, AD led the way with, with, with five. Uh, Dwight Howard came off the bench with three. Everybody kind of got in on the action. Danny Green even had a couple as well. Why have the Lakers been so good defensively? Do you think it's the players that they have, or do you think it's a good mix of the players and the scheme that Frank Vogel's running defensively?
1: Oh, yeah, I do think it's a mix of both of them. And also, you can just see, I mean, last year, obviously, LeBron did have a few kind of bad plays here in every game. But I think it was a little bit um, overgeneralized on that, on people trying to say he was taking too many plays off. But this year, you can just see, they, when they have AD and especially Dwight on the floor together, the guards and even LeBron are super aggressive, Um out on the perimeter because they're kind of seeing that they have rim protection behind them and it's just awesome to see lebron get into a stance you know i mean i oh, know yeah. he's 30 i know he's 34 but even like when trey young sees lebron go into a stance that's not something that's easy to just drive by he has the physical tools to still stay in front and you can't just body him so yeah he's been he's been great defensively and obviously ad make um keeping him um accountable as well has, has probably helped
0: yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a mix of things, though, too, because even with Frank Vogel's system, like I said, they're not switching a lot of screens, and they're almost encouraging people, like, hey. And I think this is why Vogel was adamant of, of trying to add that, that other big man once once Boogie went down. And I remember some people were saying, you know, Joe Kim Noah or Marcin Gortat were some of the names thrown out there. But I think what they like with Dwight Howard and the scheme that Vogel's running defensively is, all right, let's funnel these guys. You guys want to go to the rim and shoot over Anthony Davis? Good luck to you. Go ahead and try doing it. So I, I like what Vogel has done. You know, I think offensively the team still has a little bit of, of improvement to make, and I'm not going to complain because they're sitting at 11 and 2, so I'm not going to be a jackass and sit here and say they need to <laughs> they need to be a lot, lot better. But one one issue I do have as constructed, they need to. I mean, Rondo looked, looked pretty 15 points, uh, only finished with three assists, but he shot the ball well, two or three from. let get in him a little bit. 0 4, only really had two good games. What do you make of his fit so far on this team?
1: He's kind of struggling with his, his jumper right now. I still think he's fighting really hard defensively um, when, like, going over screens and. Vogel just has, like, a really great scheme going where you can just plug in anyone, even, like, Quinn Cook comes in and he and he does his job as well. Um, but, yeah, I think he's going to get his shot going eventually. That's what they brought him in here for. But, um, yeah, hopefully he, get, he picks that up.
0: Yeah, he's not a, a bright spot for me. But mind you, I've also been trashing KCP a lot, too. So I will give him some credit because he's looked pretty good the last couple of games. He finished 6 of 8 today, uh, finished with 13 points. Most of those came... In the first half, but how important do you think the Lakers, it is for the Lakers and Rob Palenka at some point, whether it's through the buyout market or through getting fancy with the trade because of the limited amount of assets the Lakers have to get rid of. But when you look at that, how important do you think it is for them to shore up the, the depth on the bench, especially needing that that wing kind of shooter and, and wing defender?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important. I think they mostly need a wing defender. Um, I feel like in the playoffs, it's going to be pretty much LeBron and AD kind of orchestrating the offense for most most of the night. Um, but when you watch teams like the Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi, and you need a wing defender. I mean, Danny Green can't guard both of them, and you don't want LeBron on one of them for the full game. So I, I think, like, Iguodala would be just the perfect kind of get in this situation. Um, I really think they need another wing defender. But, I mean, the team is sitting at the best defense in the league right now, so it's kind of hard to just be picky about that. But, yeah, in the playoffs, I do think they need another wing defender.
0: Well, I do think that's a, I think the reason why they're, I mean, A, their, de- their defense obviously is great. I'm not, uh, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not putting it down, but I also think it's, they haven't played that many very good teams, right? You know what I mean? Right. And so right. they, they have uh, the benefit of the doubt uh, in that regard. But when you're looking at, when you're looking at, at, at how they're, they're able to kind of dominate the, the games defensively.
1: Oh yeah, um, most definitely. Um, they definitely have like a button that they're clicking and you see this with a lot of really great teams. They can kind of like press a button and go on like some crazy runs. But the Lakers, I mean, they do it defensively, which is just really awesome to watch. And that's that bodes well for the playoffs as well to have a really elite defense um, to to have one that you can kind of just turn on at any point. They've done this against like Memphis and even Chicago where they just against bad teams. um, They kind of just turn it on in the second half and teams can't even score, especially with Dwight and AD back there um, blocking shots and LeBron um, moving around the perimeter. So, yeah, it's great to see.
0: Do you think that, like, uh, Iguodala is that big of a LeBron stopper that he's key for other teams in the West to pick him up?
1: Uh, I do think he's really helpful in terms of defending LeBron. Now, with other teams, um, I don't know how much valuable he is. I mean, they would have to kind of give up an asset for him, I think, uh, because I believe if he does get released, he's going to pick one of the two L.A. teams, and I don't see other teams kind of giving up that for Iguodala. Um, But, yeah, I I do think, like, other teams might try to get him to defend LeBron. I mean, he's... One of the best defenders against LeBron the past few years, I do think he would make an impact, but I don't think he moves the needle as much for other teams as it would for the Lakers against like other other wing teams. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, 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 I, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, I, I just think it's going to be interesting to to kind of see, yeah, how this all how this all plays out. I want to jump into a couple more things with you, Raj. We'll do that after this short break. All right, and we are back. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, looking pretty good. He's averaging 18 points over his last five games, had 17 in the in the win over the Hawks, 6 of 14 from the field. So not a great shooting night, but he's starting to look a little bit more comfortable. I mentioned this too once, and I've said this on the podcast before as well. Once Boogie went down, Kyle Kuzma's importance to this Lakers team went up exponentially. Why? Uh-huh. Because he is their third best offensive player. And so they need to get him going. I know he was struggling a bit coming back. That was expected. He had missed basically two months of, of, of playing full-time after his injury, with Team USA over the summer. Uh, how important do you think he is for, for the Lakers? And and do you see him being that third, kind of, third star, quote-unquote, for, for this team come time for April and May when the playoffs roll around?
1: Oh, yeah, I think he's hugely important. I mean, I saw a lot of people kind of jump off the train really quick. I mean, he was playing a few games. He hasn't played since, I believe, August in the international games. And he was kind of getting his legs back. But, yeah, he, he's really important to this team as a third scorer. They don't have many other guys that can really create their own shot like he can. Like, when you see the clock kind of going down, they can go to Kuz and he can kind of go in and run and put up one of his, like, unorthodox floaters off the wrong foot, or, you know, or he can pull up even now, you're seeing. and. But him hitting his threes, I think, is the biggest part of this because teams fly at him uh, pretty hard on, like, closeouts. But if he's hitting his open threes, this team gets really tough to guard. And I think um, tonight he was, like, after in the middle of the second quarter, he was like 14 of his last 28 threes, shooting almost 50%. So he he's been really good, and he's going to be really important in the playoffs with LeBron and AD doing a bunch of the scoring. But he he can kind of lift some of that burden off um, in
0: in a couple of the minutes. Yeah, the first couple of games he was back, people were ready to crucify him. I remember <laughs> that too. I mean, people were like, "Oh yeah, Kuzma sucks," and blah blah blah. Right. But I mean, I just think that's part and parcel with being with being a. Um, a Lakers fan is the expectations kind of go up and up and down for this team. Uh, one, one other thing I also want to touch on from from this game specifically, uh, when when you're looking at at guys like Danny Green and he's been he's been pretty good overall this season. But when you when you're looking at the, do you think this team is is a championship contender as constructed, or where else would you look at trying to improve?
1: I I do think they're a championship team as constructed as concerned. I mean, there's places obviously you can look. All teams, I mean, every team in the league has holes in it I mean no team is perfect um, but I do think constructed they are I the Clippers are the only team that I'm really worried about in terms of matching up with two wing scorers and also I would like one more ball handler like if Darren Collison all of a sudden missed basketball missed basketball again that would be nice Um, he'd be a nice (laughs) pickup and uh, obviously Andre Iguodala would be like really a godsend here as like another wing defender you can throw at those two, but I do think they are. I mean, you have a team that's number one in net rating, number one in defense, has a top nine offense. I mean, I know their strength of schedule has kind of dipped, but they were around the sixth toughest strength of schedule before tonight's game against Atlanta, so they did have a few kind of tough games, but yeah, I do think they are as constructive. They can kind of be... When you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you can beat anyone on any night, and beating LeBron four out of seven is already tough, and beating him with Anthony Davis by his side is going to be even tougher.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's where I look at it, too. You've got AD and, and LeBron on, on your squad. It's going to be tough to beat you four out of seven times. Now, looking forward, let, let's look rest of the rest of this week. The Lakers play a home-and-home home with the Clippers, uh, or, of me, tomorrow, and then the, which is Monday, and then the Lakers end up... Um, end up playing them on the second night of a back-to-back. So when you're looking at the next three games this week, like I mentioned, they go they go Tuesday at home versus OKC. Friday, they're on the road playing the Thunder. And then Sunday, or Saturday, pardon me, they go back-to-back and take on the Memphis Grizzlies. When you look at those next three games, what are you expecting to see from this team?
1: I expect them to continue to defend. Um, the, only, the only game that kind of worries me is Oklahoma City. Um, they can get really hot from three, and especially on the road. Also, Chris Paul looks a little more motivated to show that he's not, um, you know, he's not washed as well. But uh, yeah, I expect a couple more wins. I mean, this is probably the easy part of the schedule still for the Lakers. I mean, it gets a lot tougher, I believe, as the as the year turns. But yeah, they should they should continue playing well. I mean, Memphis is another uh, rebuilding team. Oklahoma City is, I believe, still under is under 500.
0: Um, yeah they're they five can, and seven right
1: now yeah right yeah they can I mean they can get how they have Shea and Gallo that kind of worries me a little bit and with the Lakers kind of playing down their competition which they've done a better job lately I mean the Sacramento one was a little tougher to win but um yeah I, I expect them to continue playing well and this team looks locked in um they have a bunch of guys who can beat you any night um and Vogel looks really good at pressing the right buttons you know what I mean like when someone's not having it going he puts someone else in I think Danny Green was cold last game, and he left KCP and in the fourth. So I trust him to kind of continue to make good rotations.
0: Yeah, that was, and that was one, one of the things coming in was with Frank Vogel. Everybody knows, it's no secret, he wasn't the, the top choice for the Lakers, right? I mean, Not they were going to go with Ty Lu. They, they looked at Monty Williams, and, and they settled on, on Frank Vogel. And it was interesting that he mentioned in the offseason, too, that he basically took a year sabbatical to kind of learn the new NBA because nobody had any issues with what he was teaching defensively. And those Pacers teams that he was coaching you know, in 2012, 2013, that gave LeBron's heat a run for their money. They were real, real sound defensively. I, I mean, they just didn't have the horses, I think, to keep up with the heat. But offensively, that, that was kind of the knock on him, and especially in Orlando, that it was kind of a stale offense, and, and his system that he was running um, wasn't that great. When you look at the job he's done overall, how impressed – what has impressed you most about what Frank Vogel has done this year with this team?
1: I think I think what's most impressive, obviously, is the defense. But also, like the rotations, is really impressive to me. I mean, he staggered um, LeBron and AD pretty nicely throughout the season. I mean, there's a few minutes here and there where he takes them both off. Um, he's done a good job, kind of keeping players accountable. I think Rondo had like a really bad foul last game, and he just took him out right away. I think he put in Caruso, and he's kind of keeping guys um, if they're going cold. He doesn't keep them in too long. He takes them out and uh, puts someone else in. It's it's just been really nice and. And obviously, this team is led by LeBron. I mean, there's no secret about that. I mean, Frank Frank Vogel is not going to be the man of the locker room. You know what I mean? But yeah, um, he's done a good job just not being in the way. And I think that's important on a LeBron James-led team. Um, he's going to be the vocal leader, and and him and him and Vogel seem to connect really well in terms of the basketball X's and O's. And and uh, yeah, it's been it's been great. He's been a really great hire so far for the Lakers.
0: Yeah, definitely. He's pushing all, pushing all the right buttons. And, and you know, well, let, let, let's wrap up on this. I mean, I, I was talking about the fact that they're sitting at 11-2 and two right now, best in the NBA. I don't see, I mean, the, any of these games, you can lose any night in the NBA. We saw mm-hmm. the Lakers lose to the Knicks last year in, in Madison Square Garden. We saw them lose to the Cavs. So, I mean, we know right. you could lose any night, you know, in, to any given team. But OKC back-to-back like this, and then go San Antonio. New Orleans, Washington, Dallas, and that 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 takes us through December first. I think the Lakers could be sitting at eighteen and two at the end of twenty games. What do you think?
1: I mean, that's certainly possible. That sounds insane when you say it. Um, eighteen and two. Um, I think this team won like thirty, what thirty five last year or something like that. So it's pretty insane to have eighteen and two already by December. But yeah, it's totally in play. This team is. Uh, this team has the number one net rating, as I said before, and they're just crushing teams. Especially that Dwight and AD lineup is it's really tough for teams to score on, and it'd be nice to get a nice separation from the one seed. Um, if they can get a few games, I mean, Houston's kind of playing well now and things like that. But it'd be nice to get AD a few rested games. He seems like he needs it, and also LeBron, who's not human, obviously. But it'd be nice to get him also a couple of games. But yeah, eighteen and two is totally in play. In, totally in play.
0: that was one. I'm looking at, and I'm actually looking forward to it. Don't get me wrong, I love watching the Lakers play, obviously, but I that's from December third through December eighth, where they play. Denver at Utah as and then they go Portland. we know the. I do expect them to turn it uh, Carmelo Anthony too but you uh, <laughs> start playing some of the upper echelon teams to kind of see where they're at compared to, to you know relatively top of the West
1: uh, yeah for sure it'd be nice to see like a couple of tougher games I mean uh, they played Dallas which was a really good game and then I think in San Antonio um, San Antonio was supposed to be a little bit of a better team but yeah it'd be nice to see a couple of the really really good teams and how they match up um they, I think like they haven't had a really big test yet since that Clipper game. Um, Toronto was a really nice one. I'm trying to guard Siakam for the whole night. But, yeah, it would be nice to see against, against some of the top upper echelon teams for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. All right, Raj, thanks again for hopping on and doing this, man. This was fun. We'll have you on again.
1: No problem, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, that is Raj. He goes by Raj C on Twitter. I don't want to try and butcher his last name against my, <laughs> my, my apologies for that. Uh, don't forget, this is a part of the Silver Screen and Roll podcast network. You can f- uh, catch us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it, we are there. Make sure you like us, give us a rating. Hopefully it's five stars, even if you want to give us one, that's fine too. But we're hoping, obviously, you don't, don't feel that way. And, of course, go to silverscreenandroll.com. You can check us out for everything you need, Lakers. The site is updated daily. Harrison, Anthony, Christian, all the boys do a great job of keeping the website updated. That does it for this episode. I'll catch you all next week.